1: Your host is Nick Moran, and this is the full ratchet.
0: Welcome back for part two of my interview with Anand Sanwal. In this segment, we finish the question set on the Bloomberg for private companies, recap the key takeaways, and finish up with a tip of the week. Today, we will cover how CB Insights organizes taxonomy and filtering with sectors and trends that are not mutually exclusive their version of a FICO score for private companies, Mosaic, and how they obtained NSF funding for it, how CBI assesses if their customers are winning with the data and insights from the platform, other industries and customer segments that can get tremendous value from the data, and finally, if one is a venture capitalist, why are they using CB Insights instead of the other major data players in the space? Those questions and more in this segment. Here's part two of the interview with Anand Sanwal of CB Insights. Before we jump into the NSF, uh, you know, I often hear people talk about how they invest in marketplaces or education or drones or healthcare yeah. or IoT or SaaS or machine learning, yeah. etc. Yeah. But they mention these things all in the same breath. You know, some classify them as sectors while others talk about horizontal themes. Um, clearly something like SAS is more of a business model than it is a sector at yep. CB insights. How do you think about these categories and also structure the data so that you're not mixing apples and oranges?
1: Yeah, it's a really hard problem. So industry classification and taxonomy is, has probably taken a few years off my life. <laughs> we, um, you know, we started, so when we started day one, it was sort of SIC codes Amazing if we were building a database for agriculture and just miserable for anything high growth. Kind of quickly abandoned that, you know, went to something that was again too high level. It was sort of internet mobile software. And then we went to something much more granular. So now you can go into, you know, internet software services payments, which is good. And then the challenge is kind of what you address, which is there's certain things that are more thematic, right? IoT, FinTech big data, digital health, right? And so how do you deal with those? You know, you don't want to introduce a new filter in the taxonomy every six months because of the flavor of the month. Right. Uh, because then, you know, in two years, Nick, you call us as, as a customer and say, hey, Anand, like, what the heck is location-based services, right? Like, remember <laughs> when that was hot? So we don't introduce, the taxonomy is actually fairly you know, set in stone. But what we've added are what we call lists, and those are essentially tags, right? And so then what you can have is, and they let us do kind of a one-to-many classification. So you could have a company that is a IoT company as well as a fintech company, right? And so those things let us organize companies in a bit more of a topical kind of thematic way. And I'd say like a lot of the research that we put out tends to leverage those lists that we create. And it's also become, I think, one of the things that, customers like the most about CBI is yep. this kind of the, the fact that we have these things that, you know, an internet of things list is available on CB Insights, right? I think that's, you, otherwise you're building it yourself using keywords and that, you know, there's a lot of data janitor work that customers do that I think we, you know, we get them out of, right? A lot of our users are analysts and we actually get them doing analysis versus just Excel jockeying and and, yeah. you know, trolling around on the web, looking for data points to drop into a spreadsheet.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I've used the platform and the tagging approach is so much better than the restrictive filter. But anyway, yeah. uh, I want to move to this NSF piece. So last year you received $1.15 million from the National Science Foundation for the launch of Mosaic. Can you tell us what Mosaic is and how you obtained the NSF funding?
1: Sure. So you can think of Mosaic as sort of modern FICO score for private companies, right? And so the private companies, they're not compelled to provide financials the way a public company is. And so how do you get a sense for which companies are doing well and which ones aren't? And the way we've our approach to that is that there's a lot of data exhaust now on the web that we can leverage to do that. So um, if you're a tech company... Things like your customer and partner signings, your press, the sentiment of that—Are people talking about you on social media? Are they talking about you at all? And if they're talking about you, is that positive or negative? Web traffic, mobile app download data, hiring statistics—So, looking at all these disparate pieces of information to try to get a sense for sort of the momentum of the um, company—is what Mosaic is. And then it's Mosaic kind of has three M's. We call them. So there's momentum, which is sort of a lot of those measures that I mentioned. Then there's market, right? So what industry are you in and how healthy is that industry? And the reason that's important is that no matter how good your sort of momentum looks, if you are in an industry that is out of favor, it is incredibly hard to swim upstream, right? If you're in flash sales right now, Godspeed, right? It's going to (laughs) be, that's like a tough place to be, right? You could be executing really well. People might love it, but you know, if you need another round of funding or Uh, you know, exit multiples have been crushed there. The market score is really depressed. And then the final thing we look at is money. And money is, we model burn rate, we model, or we look at the quality of the investors. So we have kind of a mosaic score also for the investor side of things. And so if you've raised money from Sequoia Capital, that holds a lot more weight than if you've raised it from on Ventures. And so those things kind of, so it's money, market, momentum, collectively make up this mosaic score. The, the idea for the NSF was kind of came to us accidentally. Somebody knew of the program and heard what we were doing and said, hey, you know, the NSF would probably be into this, um, this idea. You know, I had seen the problem when I was at American Express. Evaluating private small businesses was incredibly hard. We would make a lot of money for a few years. A recession would hit, it would sort of effectively kind of decimate what we'd, what we'd earned over the last few years. And so we thought, you know, hey, this is an interesting problem. The NSF liked it because if we can help assess private companies at a firm level, then people would take risks kind of understanding the companies better, you know, Then what happens today is economy turns and people say, nope, we're not lending to small businesses anymore. And so like that just lumps this very heterogeneous group of companies together. And so they thought, can we give them or can we give sort of the market? you know, more firmographic or firm specific information that would help people make better decisions on financing of companies or financing. And it's not just financing, I guess it opens up lots of opportunities, right? So if I'm trying to get somebody as a customer, you can look at the mosaic score and say, okay, you know, this company looks solid, right? So from a, an opportunity perspective, it's financings, it's customers, it's partnerships, it's m and I think it opens up a lot of doors. And so the NSF really liked that idea. They, they gave us some money uh, over a few grants to try to, you know, we had to prove ourselves that we actually could get this somewhere. And so then, you know, yeah, over several grants, we ended up getting, we're fortunate to get a little over a million dollars from them.
0: It's hard to predict all the applications, but I could imagine that this Mosaic score, you know, depending on how it plays out, it could be useful to a variety of different customer sets in in different sorts of ways.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, as a as a r- still relatively young company, I think we're going we to hit 70 people on Monday. It's always that challenge of figuring out which opportunity to go after. Um, and so, yeah, I think we've seen a bunch of potential opportunities and we're sort of, I think, um, narrowing it to the ones that we believe are the closest in terms of uh, uh, approachability, so.
0: Yeah, did I see that you guys... Closed the Series A last quarter. Is that right?
1: We did. Yeah, I think we announced that in November. So yeah, we closed the ten million dollar Series A. It was our first uh, first round of of capital. We'd been kind of revenue funded, as we like to call it, for you know otherwise since we started.
0: Awesome! Congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank you. Last thing on Mosaic. I was reading your newsletter, which I'm a huge fan of. I, I read it all the time. It's really well thank done. You. Um, I was reading Thanks. it probably yesterday or the day before, and I noticed you picked up on this data point. And you pulled it out of text somewhere, but it was on DraftKings subleasing their space. And now that's okay. kind of an indicator, right? Yeah. Is that something that Mosaic found and that provides an indicator that, oh, this brand new space that they built out in, um, I guess it's in New York City, that yeah. they're subleasing it? That's kind of a negative sign?
1: Yeah. So uh, that one was just a cold email from a real estate broker. Uh, (laughs) so yeah, no, no mosaic there. I mean, I think we, you know, we look for signals in terms of turnover, right? So in the companies, right. Which is a signal or, you know, more specifically if the VP of sales is turning over every quarter, like clearly a bad sign. And then conversely, you know, you're hiring a CFO, hiring head of HR, hiring lots of salespeople, often a good sign, but, um, But yeah, that particular one was just somebody uh, cold emailing and, and happened to just land in our inbox and we said, oh, this is interesting.
0: Gotcha.
1: So moving on, Anand, how do
0: you measure if tools are helping your customers win and achieve their objectives?
1: Yeah. I mean, so it's interesting because the market we deal in is still relatively opaque, right? So our customers... We have insights based on our conversations with them, what they're focused on and what they're interested in. But ultimately, they keep that. a lot of them still keep it fairly close to the vest, right? So for us, it's really our biggest metric of success is you stick around and you stay a customer, right? And so we had 99, I think we've still got a couple left, but 99% revenue retention last year. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is like we're making your life easier. Uh, you know, I think it sort of shows up in the fact that we've got 60 customer testimonials and people are really happy with us. But, you know, it is it's hard to know if somebody was developed a better strategy for their company based on data from us. Right. We don't have as much visibility into the end product. But I think the I think they vote with their wallets. Right. And they stay tend to become. Stay customers, we're seeing those customer average ticket with them growing over time. We're seeing us in multiple parts of the organization because they keep referring us to their friends in different business units. So um, because we don't have direct line of sight to how they use the data, I think we have to use those as sort of proxies for the fact that we're doing something right.
0: Yep. So there are other data players in the space. If I'm a VC... Why am I using CB Insights instead of one of the other major data players in the startup space or private market space?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a few things. You know, at the core, the foundational element of our platform, which is the data, is very good. It's the best in the business, right? And so the analogy I, I like to use is, you know, you can paint a Honda, but you can paint a Honda like a, and make it look really nice, but it's still a Honda, Right and I'm a Honda owner, so I don't mean that in any uh, (laughs) negative ways to to Honda. But what we see with a lot of other data providers is they're just putting a nice shine, sort of a nice coat of paint on crap data, right? And so I think that's the fundamental sort of nugget that we're really good there. We find more deals, the data's got sort of high integrity. And then I think the next piece is, how do we help you make sense of the world, right? So, just telling a customer that, who's interested in payments, hey, here's 734 payments companies that were funded this year. Like, you know, that's still a lot of work, right? Like, How do I figure out who's interesting in that group, right? So I think a lot of the work we're doing on the predictive intel side that helps you get from data to insight to answer mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is really important, right? So how do I figure out, hey, we want to do a partnership with a company that's working on this problem, but that we know isn't going to go away in six months? Right. So, how do I kind of use keywords and lists and things to narrow that company list down? And then, how do I use Mosaic to figure out which company is the best for me to, you know, we're, and we're not going to tell you go work with this company, but I think we'll take that list of 734 down to 20 pretty quickly. Right. And I think like that is a big part of it. Right. I think if you just want spreadsheets, I think we just do a lot more than that. You know, and then I think the other big thing, like with a lot of the, Players in the space, like we're going to be around. Like we're a real company. We're not lighting VC money on fire. You know, we've got a track record of being around. The media quoted us 1,200 times last year. We're a really credible provider who's who just does this. This is our singular focus.
0: Anand, is there anything else you'd like to highlight on CB Insights?
1: No, I mean I think we covered it. I mean I, I really think it's uh, if you want to know where the world is going using data and predictive intel like we are the standard now so i think that's really kind of where we think the world is going in terms of data-driven decision making and and i think we're at the forefront of that
0: if we could address any topic in venture what topic do you think should be addressed and who would you like to hear speak about it
1: huh i mean i I'd love to see. It's not one person, but I'd love to see Bill Gurley and Mark Andreessen debate the <laughs> the current cl- the current climate. Right? They would
0: never just, sign up for that. Yeah, they never <laughs> sign up
1: for that. But there's, you know, given the backstory and the history, but I mean, that would be um, phenomenal because they're both like super smart folks, and and you know, I think uh, I. I see, like Mark Andreessen's optimism about technology and things, and like I love what we do because, like, I, we get a sneak peek into all of the big stuff of tomorrow. And then you see Bill Gurley, who's has an amazing track record, but who's is uh, obviously more tempered in his enthusiasm. And yeah, if we could, if you could make that happen, that would be that would be amazing.
0: <laughs> I don't think there's any chance, but it <laughs> would be incredible. It would be, yeah. Uh, all right, Anand, on, on, and finally, what's the best way for listeners to connect with you?
1: So, uh, you know, I live and breathe CB Insights, so www.cbinsights.com. We are at CB Insights on Twitter. We're relatively entertaining on Twitter. And as Nick mentioned, sign up for the newsletter. we got 123,000 people on it, growing by 1,000 wow. plus a week. Um, wow. So, yeah, sign up there. And if, if you like snark and graphs, uh, we're the place to be.
0: Well, Anand, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for the time today. I know you're a really busy guy, and uh, any Series A, Series B, or early stage investors out there in the audience, if you haven't checked out CB Insights, um, you should absolutely do it today. So thanks so much, Anon. Hope to connect again soon.
1: All right. Thanks, Nick. Take care.
0: At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, And there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers, constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. In this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Okay, really great interview there. Let's recap the key takeaways. Key takeaway number 1 is called the 3 Gs of decision making. Early on in Anand's career, he noticed the three primary ways big corporations were making decisions: gut instinct, Google searches, or guys with MBAs. And these methods were being used for big decisions like who should we acquire? What industries should we go after? And what are our competitors up to? And none of the three are scalable, repeatable, or process-driven approaches to decision-making. Clearly, the best investors, like Sequoia, are not shooting from the hip, but rather employing a methodical and repeatable process to finding and analyzing startups. And one of the benefits of a centralized source of high-quality data on private companies is that smart individuals can focus on data insight instead of data acquisition. Anand said, many of our users are analysts and we actually get them doing analysis versus just Excel jockeying and trolling around the web looking for data points to drop into a spreadsheet. All right, key takeaway number two is called life events and signals. A cogent point from Anand was that everyone focuses on financing and exits for startups, but those are just two life events. CB Insights is perpetually gathering signals and looking at all the life events of a company. Examples of signals that they measure include customer and partner signings, press, volume of social media activity, sentiment of social media activity, web traffic, mobile app data, and turnover. And even more specifically, an example that he gave is that they monitor if the VP of sales is turning over every quarter. It's clearly a bad sign, but to the untrained eye, that may look like the company is hiring high-level sales talent at aggressive levels. This could be a false positive. On the beneficial side of signals, examples such as hiring a CFO, head of HR, and lots of salespeople serve as positive signals that occur when a company is growing in a healthy and sustainable way. And the third and final takeaway is called the three Ms of data. With the CB Insights development of Mosaic, they are fundamentally analyzing data in three areas, momentum, market, and money. On momentum, how fast is the company growing and scaling relative to its counterparts? On market, is the company in a sector or area that's attractive and outpacing that of other segments? Here, Anon cited the flash payment sector, which is a particularly tough area at the moment and can significantly impact the downstream ability to attract more capital, despite very strong core business metrics. And finally, he spoke about money. What's the startup's burn rate? How much runway does it have? And who did it raise from? Clearly, a capital raise from Sequoia is going to provide greater opportunity for a young company than 99% of the other venture firms out there. Okay, let's wrap up with a tip of the week. And this week's tip is called Check the Comps. I regularly speak with investors about potential startup investments. And more often than not, the conversation revolves around customers, competitors, and mass market viability. All fine. But rarely do I ever hear about the comps or comparables. Investors may be asking, are the growth rates for this startup below, at, or above the norm? Are the revenue numbers where they should be? How should they be addressing virality and existing customers as a marketing channel? Or what monetization method will be the killer business model? Those are great questions and ones where there may be some precedent. Here's where comps can be of great value. On a recent episode of Investor Stories, we discussed an investment in a company called Cybrary. When my investment partner, Jeff, and I were reviewing the numbers, we were astonished by the startup's growth. But that didn't tell us if they were better, worse, or the same as similar companies. The growth numbers also didn't tell us where we should price the deal if we decided to invest. Should this be a one, a three, or a $6 million valuation? The answer was in the comps. This was a startup at the seed stage, could be classified as a verticalized social community, also could be considered edtech, It was in the cybersecurity sector. And finally, it was located in the greater Washington, D.C. area. This allowed us to look at comps for startups with similar characteristics, those recently raising rounds in greater D.C., startups raising at the seed stage in cybersecurity. We looked at startup growth rates and revenue within EdTech. And of course, growth and monthly active users in vertical networks. This is part of why SaaS investors love to invest in SaaS. It's much easier to compare apples to apples and make an investment decision when you can compare hundreds of different companies with the same business model. In doing this, we not only saw how Cyberary stacked up against others, and we not only determined the appropriate valuation that they should raise at, but we also got some insight into who they might become. Companies like GitHub could provide great insight to their current position, and where they might evolve to. No two companies are the same, and we are in a constant state of change where the landscape today looks much different than that of tomorrow. But this should not be an excuse to ignore the past and what those are doing around you. Those investors evaluating companies in a vacuum, and those startups building as if they are in one, may have trouble ever getting out. All right. That'll wrap things up for this week. Head over to thefullratchet.net to check in on show notes and get all the contact info for Anand. Thank you all so much for all the love lately on Twitter. And for those of you that have reached out over email, um, we've just been seeing some incredible deal flow lately and makes us very excited about what's coming up in the future. Okay. With that, until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for listening. Oh,